You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. We've got Washington and we've got the the Eagles, who I who I spot as well. And we have got a fantastic guest. He's an absolute genius, to be honest. He's uh, one of the best number-based guys in the community. Uh, he's got a fantastic uh, book and series out as well. So we'll, we'll bring him in. Uh, we've got Jordan McNamara, who you can find on Twitter, at McNamara Dynasty. Good morning, Jordan. Hey guys, good to be here. Congratulations on the uh, on the the event, and um, let's raise some let's raise some money. Indeed, indeed, it's a very very exciting show. Obviously, I'm an Eagles fan, and we've got Washington as well that have gone through a, a bit of change this off season. That's made maybe some of their weapons a bit more attractive than they were previously. And we'll, we'll start off with Washington uh, with Ali firing the first question over to you, Jordan. Good morning, Jordan. Just got a, a question here for about about the quarterback situation in, in Washington. So do you believe that Fitzpatrick's going to be the quarterback this season? Um, and do you think it gives a boost for the, the receivers to have that gunslinger quarterback like Fitzpatrick rather than the Alex Smith sort of type they had last season? Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big, big, big Ryan Fitzpatrick fan. Um, I've been a big Ryan Fitzpatrick fan for uh, a decade plus now. Um, and, you know, I think, I think of late we have seen his ability to, um, you know, elevate offenses to elevate players. Uh, and I think that this is a good example of a case where he's going to come in. And what's, what's interesting to me from a dynasty perspective, you know, we, we, we look at this and I'm, I'm thinking in terms of bats, right? I'm thinking about what's the, you know, basically what, what options does he give us? I struggle to see as I sit here right now. I think that they're going to be pretty good. I think their defense is going to be pretty good. I think he's a good player. And I struggle to see how in 12 months, you know, 10, I guess, 8, 10, 12 months, they're going to have a high enough pick in the NFL draft to replace Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? I think that that is a very real um, – He's going to, he can play himself into a multi-year job. You know, I don't, he didn't, he signed there for one year, but I think you can very realistically see a scenario where they don't have a better option. And frankly, he's a good option to, in, in my opinion. So I'm a big Ryan Fitzpatrick fan. You know, we have seen some of the, the interesting stuff with him too, as he's played a little bit quicker um, and not held on the ball quite as much. He's been better, right? So some of that gunslinger stuff, um, you know, holding on to it, you know, chucking it, all that stuff. Uh, if you get a little bit quicker, you can be more efficient, and he's one that that we've seen that with. Um, and so I'm I'm a big fan, and I I think that what they have going in Washington is uh, pretty good with with him. Like I think they're I think I think Super Bowl is in their range of outcomes, uh, much in the way that San Francisco was a couple of years ago. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting guy, Fitzpatrick. If you're playing in any uh, sleeper dynasty startups, his ADP is hilarious. It's uh, it's way off the board. So if you haven't got your own rankings, uh, the casual players do tend to miss him. But I mean, just just thinking of Fitzpatrick, he's going as um, QB thirty in startups. I mean, for me, he's a he's a QB two in dynasty. Um, he's he's someone that's going to be potentially volatile. Because he does have these games where he's throwing it around and getting a few interceptions, but with that comes the the touchdown upside as well. Think about like a Jameis Winston a couple of years back for the Bucks in terms of the the thirty touchdown, thirty interceptions. I don't think Fitzpatrick will throw thirty interceptions, but he does give you that uh, exciting okay. upside where you might you might not yeah you might not want to watch the games with Fitzpatrick, but he'll uh, he'll definitely deliver those numbers and he's got some decent weapons as well um, in this offense. Um, and he's actually still pretty sneaky as a runner. It gives you nearly 20 yards a game and a couple of touchdowns a season, so he's not giving you your zeros. Um, but when it comes to like a guy like him and Jameis Winston, just, just comparing the two, they're going fairly similar ranges in uh, dynasty startups. I'd rather have Fitzpatrick, to be honest, because with Winston, he's got competition that Peyton might throw in Taysom Hill. Yeah, he probably shouldn't, but he, he might do, whereas... Fitzpatrick, I don't really see the competition in uh, Taylor Heineke. Uh, what, yeah. What's your thoughts on that? I just think he's, he's he's pretty secure in my eyes. 
Yeah, it, it analytics at Dynasty, we have uh, we have a real draft position tracker, so it tracks all basically where players are going in real drafts. So it's constantly updating, constantly tracking more drafts. So uh, since the NFL draft, Ryan Fitzpatrick's ADP in our in our formats have been thirteen point ten. There's been sixteen uh, startup drafts that we've tracked so far uh, in this month. And that's uh, basically quarterback 34.5. Um, and if you sort of look at some of the guys going ahead of him, Kellen Mond at 33, again, that's that's crazy to me. I'm a, I'm a wow. Kirk Cousins fan. Like, I'm a, I'm a Cousins guy. Um, so that's, um, that's one to me that doesn't make a ton of sense. Like, then you look at Ben is going ahead of him. You know, at 30, he's at 31. Uh, Jordan Love's going ahead of him. You know, it is a four-round gap between him and Jameis. And I will say that I think the difference between Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick, I still think that franchise quarterback is in Jameis Winston's range of outcomes. I don't think that with Ryan Fitzpatrick just because of age, right? And we've sort of seen how the NFL reacts to him. You know, I can, you know, he can be a cult hero, but, you know, so is Gardner Minshew. So, so, and we've sort of seen that reaction. So um, I don't, uh, I'm a huge Ryan Fitzpatrick fan in the context of what we think he is. You know, we, we did a trade uh, recently. My co-host at Football Guys and I, Chad Parsons, we co-own a, a team. And uh, we were – it was um, – we needed some quarterback help. And it was a big, part of a bigger deal, but we added Ryan Fitzpatrick as part, of a, as part of a bigger deal. And, you know, we said, hey, basically this shores up quarterback three, makes us a lot more comfortable – but our quarterback too is Jared Goff, right? So for the long term, we we like Goff better than Fitzpatrick. But in the near term, uh, there's very realistic chance that that Ryan Fitzpatrick is our weekly play over Goff, right? I can absolutely think that that's possible. And so that's one of those interesting things. Like when you sort of look at him, he can sort of fit. Right? He sort of plugs in the hole of, uh, you know, fixing immediate you know, security needs, but also I think providing some interesting upside. So, you know, a, a top 12, 14 finish this year wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, when Fitzpatrick has played for, him, him and James have both played for the, the books, haven't they, Ali? And I know that's your team. <laughs> um, you've seen them both. Have you got a preference if it was down to them to a cost? Um, I think it's still just Winston. I think he was in a terrible situation for the first four years. Um and then he, he had year one with Bruce Arians. And <clears throat> historically, it's never been a really good good year for quarterbacks, the year one. Um, Tom Brady's a bit of an out, outlier there. But uh, he never had a good situation. The defense was terrible. Um, so I still think Winston, with his age, I think he's still got a shot to be uh, a franchise quarterback. Um, but looking just for 2021, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Fitzpatrick finished ahead of Winston. I think the Saints are definitely going to throw in Taysom Hill. Um, they did it with Breeze, so they're going to do it with Winston. So um, for this season, all over Fitzpatrick, definitely. Yeah, definitely an interesting guy. Another interesting guy is Antonio Gibson, actually. He's, he's someone that I feel is lower than than he should be, really. He's, he's currently at running back 16 in Dice Startups. So just want to get your thoughts, Jordan, on where he sits in your rankings and what do you think is a bigger factor to his future success? Is it the touchdown regression that's incoming? Is it the the new QB? Is it the arrival of Curtis Samuel? Um, how do you see things panning out for Antonio Gibson in Dynasty? Um, you know, I think he's in an interesting spot. And I, I was talking about this to some subscribers recently. You know, the the receiver thing is weird, <laughs> and so we don't really have a good example of this to sort of look at uh, in terms of guy going from college receiver to a running back. Like, there's not a ton of great examples of that. Um, so I still sort of hold that reservation, um, but I think he's a really good player. And so I think when you sort of stack him up, you know, he's going in a range. I've got him at running back 13, 402 in startup drafts, and that's just about the same as Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, I'd rather have Edwards-Alaire over him um, just because I think Edwards-Alaire is a, a pretty um, – it's a platinum profile at this point. He's being underpriced. But then he's going – you have to figure out Gibson in the context of like J.K. Dobbins and Aaron Jones, and then he's going sort of ahead of Zeke. Um, you know, and then uh, 
Najee Harris is going ahead of him. Cam Akers is going way ahead of him too, which is interesting. Um, so I think there's like a you can you could put that range, you know, outside of I think Clyde Edwards Lair deserves to be well above where he is. You could put that that range sort of in a you know in a in a tumbler, you know, roll the dice out and and uh, whatever order they come out in, I I don't really have a hard time. Uh, accepting, right? I'm probably, you know, I, I think there's there's plenty of reasonable outcomes in that range. Um, you know, what's interesting to me is you get a guy like Antonio Gibson who's going around and a half ahead of Josh Jacobs. That's one that seems, you know, and that's not an Antonio Gibson fault. That seems like a, a really, um, that's the biggest inefficiency going right now. Um, but yeah, so I mean, to me, I think Gibson, I like him quite a bit. And I think this offense is going to get better. You know, they it was pretty limited in terms of what they could offer last year. You know, uh, Logan Thomas running the most routes and uh, at the tight end position in all football and being pretty bad at it uh, is, is uh, hopefully those days are gone. So. Yeah. I, I co-host Matt. I like that dig at Logan Thomas. He, uh, he's not a fan <laughs> at all. Um, any, any thoughts on Gibson Ali? Yeah, I think I'm probably a little bit too, too high in Gibson. I, I've got him ranked. I think, RB12. Um, so I'm probably happy to have him as my RB1. Um, he's on, on the fringe, uh, but he's in the same tier as Akers. I can't see why Akers has been taken way ahead of Gibson. Um, and then they're comfortably ahead of J.K. Dobbins. But the Zeke one is interesting. I think they're back to back, Gibson and Zeke for me. Um, so yeah, I think Gibson's in for a really good year. It wouldn't surprise me if he was a top 10 running back. But then there's so many good running backs that he could finish as the you know RB sixteen to eighteen. Um, definitely, the offense is going to take a step forward. Um, but yeah, I'm absolutely I'm all over Antonio Gibson uh, this season and and in Dynasty. Yeah, I just think with those sophomore running backs, guys like Acres, Dobbins, Gibson, I think they're all very similar in terms of what the value should be. But um, you, me personally, I just end up taking the, the cheapest. I do think Acres has got the most upside with. Um, that, that offense, I guess, and the, the potential free down work, but that I think that's a sneaky shot of being a timeshare, you know, in in in, in LA with Darrell Henderson. Maybe that's because mm-hmm. I'm a big Darrell Henderson fan. He was my running back one coming out, but uh, <laughs> I'm probably just being a little bit biased there. Uh, so we'll we'll move on to the wide receiver position for Washington now. Yeah, so Terry McLaurin uh, is going to be the wide receiver one consensus on the team so just a quick question buy or sell terry mclaurin does he finish as a top 18 wide receiver for you in 2020 uh 2021 sorry um so just in context the lot the first two seasons he's finished wide receiver 29 and 20 so far in his in his career and it seems like higher than that right um yeah that's interesting <laughs> seems like higher than that um it's always interests me that people go higher in uh, in ADP than they finished in their career. Those are always interesting <laughs> cases. Um, you know, he's at, he's going, we got him at 13.5. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think that wide receiver two type range is, is plenty possible. It takes a lot to be a wide receiver one and just in terms of volume. Um, you know, and I think, you know, I, I, I like his floor probably a little bit more than I like his ceiling. So, I don't know. I think you, your line is pretty good. I think it's pretty good. I, if I had to take a bet, um, you know, I would, I would say he finishes better than that. That would sort of be my, my take. But I think it's close. I think generally the, the community are a lot, a lot higher. He's, I think he's one of the Twitter darlings. I think the, the community is definitely higher on McLaurin than what, than what I am. I think he probably finishes just below 18. Um, so 18 to 20, I think, is where he's going to finish again, um, especially with Curtis Samuel arriving. Um, but yeah, definitely in that range. And I think his ADP of wide receiver 14 is is a little bit a little bit too high for me. He's an interesting guy, is McLaurin. Uh, you touched upon it um, a little bit then when you were speaking, Jordan, about um, guys that get drafted ahead of where they're finished. And <laughs> the first guy that was going off in my head was DJ Moore. Um, yeah. And, and I know... Yeah. I know earlier earlier on this off season there was um, I, I saw some rankings where McLaurin was like top eight in some spots. Now I don't know how reliable those rankings were, but um, it, it just it, it seems really strange to me that a guy that's been 
what a, a top twenty wide receiver. It was uh, wide receiver twenty last season. It just seems wild that he's going there. He's twenty five. He's he came out as an older prospect. He's a, he's been a top twenty wide receiver. Just um, I I'm a big Curtis Samuel fan. I'm sure we'll come on to it in a little bit, but I seem to be lower on McLaurin than most. I think I've got him maybe mid-20s in my rankings, uh, which which means I, I don't get him anywhere. Uh, but I do think he's such a talented player, but there always seems to be somebody in a draft room that has him top 15, top 20. So, mm-hmm. yeah, really, really interesting really interesting guy for me to, to, to weigh up as such. Yeah, and when you sort of look at that, that prototype, Amari, uh, Amari Cooper is the big one for me in terms of that guy uh, yeah. that goes has basically two good seasons to start, but then goes massively more expensive than he f- has finished. Right. And that's always a, one of those ones I sort of look at and sort of peek at and, and, and just tilt my head a little bit. Uh, but then you look at the flip side, right? You've got guys that all they've ever done is, or mostly all they've done is finish better than their ADP. And then you look at guys like Michael Thomas right now, and this is probably more of an age thing than anything, but Michael Thomas, you know, Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, right? They're going 11, uh, 14, and and, um, and 16, right? And then you sort of get the reverse effect of now everyone's let down by Amari Cooper, and all of a sudden he's like a smashing value in like the six rounds of super flex drafts, right? Like those are interesting things when they happen. And it McLaurin kind of feels like one of those ones that we're going to do that with. And, you know, in 24 months, he's going to kind of be who he is right now. And all, and we're going to be like, Oh, this is a smashing value because everyone's, you know, looking for the next great thing. Yeah. He got 134 targets last season on 15 games. So that's like nine, nine a game. I think is quick maths almost. Yep. Um, can't see him getting nine a game this season. Uh, just, just with uh, obviously adding Curtis Samuel, um, Adam Humphreys, I believe they added as well um, at, at, at slot. So take the targets to Logan Thomas and throw them to Terry McLaurin. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'll probably be best for this uh, this offense indeed. Uh, and and you, you mentioned about um, guys that perform and and they're going after uh, where, where they where they are in ADP. Um, I got thinking about your book, Sally, about Mike Evans. He's a guy that goes in the late teens, um, mm-hmm. and and me personally, I, I over a, over a two year period, which is what I play Dynasty on, I'd rather take a shot on Mike Evans. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, I yeah. think he's very much underrated in the community. Constantly, you know, seven straight thousand yard seasons, and his his touchdowns are always there. He's always a massive red zone target. So. Uh, it's going to be consistent again for Mike Evans. I'd much rather, much rather him to McLaurin in the same sort of range. He's probably Indeed. going to go to the Hall of Fame, right? Like that's, that's kind of where we're heading with Mike Evans. And it's amazing that he's, we're going to spend the last, you know, uh, I think he's got three, four, five years of of good still in him. He's not that old, right? I mean, he isn't. You know, this isn't. We're not talking about Julio Jones's age. Um, you know, and maybe he offers. I don't know if he offers. 80 90 percent of what julio did through this range of his career like that is a smashing smashing success and it's interesting to me that you sort of go and you look and of all the people in that draft class right that i know we're getting a little far afield but i, I have to <laughs> this, is a, this is a, a this is a, a pro mike evans uh i'm a pro mike evans platform when you look at all the from that class so you look at you know all of the greats in that class beckham Devonte mm-hmm. adams Allen Robinson, you know, Sammy Watkins uh, was in that class and started really well as well. The three guys that lead that class in receiving yards, and this is incredible when you think about some of the other guys, and especially what Adams and Beckham have done in their career. It's yeah. Mike Evans by 1,200 yards. That's wow. Mike Evans by a season, by a season over anyone in the class. And it gets Real. even better. The person that's second is Jarvis Landry. <laughs> Who is at seven thousand twenty-eight yards? Right. So Mike oh Evans has eighty-two hundred sixty-six yards in his in his NFL career. That is uh, over a th- uh, twelve hundred more than Jarvis Landry. Um, Jarvis Landry has played more games, uh, hmm. and um, and then the next one after that, it's not Adams, it's not Beckham, it's not Allen Robinson, it's Brandon Cooks with sixty-eight hundred. So when you look at when you look at their wow. careers. Um, Mike Evans has played six more games than Devontae Adams, and he has basically 1,600 yards more than Devontae Adams. 
So just think about to contextualize how good Mike Evans is. Just think he's basically, um, you know, he is uh, essentially a season, maybe a season and a half better than what Adams has done to date. It's a remarkable, remarkable career. And, uh, you know, and when you look at the touchdowns in that class, he's, um, he's, he is second to Adams. That's where Adams' greatness is in terms of the, his ability to score touchdowns. Um, but 61 touchdowns, that's, that's and more than Beckham. So you think about that, that huge run that Beckham went on, um, you know, it's, it's 21 more than Brandon Cooks, who has been Mr. <laughs> Just think about this. He's been basically Mr. Top 20. He's missed. He's basically mm-hmm. missed the top 20 twice in his career. His first season, then the last season with the Rams where he got injured. Other than that, he's been in the top 20 every year. And Mike Evans has 21 more touchdowns than him and three more games. Just think about how wow. good that is, right? Over, over the course of his career, he's basically the only person to go uh, through the start of his career this far with a top 24 season every year. I mean, just Mike Evans is is wow. an unbelievable fantasy player, and people don't give him credit for it. And listen, if if he's going to be undervalued the rest of his career, I'm riding it. <laughs> I will ride the I will ride Mike Evans till the wheels fall off. So sorry, Mike yeah. Evans comes up, and I have to give my I have to give. My <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, Go on, Ali. I'll let you. Uh, you're a books fan, aren't you? So I'll let you have a have a moment. Yeah, <laughs> I think the trouble with with Evans and his on the defensive side, Levante Davis played at an incredible high level um, throughout his career. We've just been a crap team that no one talks about. So Evans <laughs> doesn't get the recognition. We've not been in the, you know, the most televised game. So it's nice to see that finally we're getting some, some credit and people are talking about them sort of players. Yeah, just all I'd say is apologies to the Washington fans that wanted to <laughs> hear about about the Washington team. But I guess, <laughs> I guess the, the take you can get from it is um, if you can flip um, Teddy McLaurin for Mike Evans plus as well. <laughs> yeah, we're smashing, we're smashing. Smash that for sure. And we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about McLaurin's teammate now, the newly signed Curtis Samuel. Just want to get your thoughts on this, Jordan, about if you think Samuel can be a top 25 wide receiver again, like he was last year, what percentage would you put on it to say that Curtis Samuel could outscore Terry McLaurin in 2021? That's interesting. I, I think McLaurin pretty, is pretty comfortably the favorite would sort of be my thought. Um, Samuel's a really interesting case because two years ago, he was essentially one of the league leaders in air yards per target, right? He, he was uh, just a big downfield target, but was massively, massively inefficient, basically way, way underperformed that. And there's a couple of things you could say about that, right? You could say, hey, listen, they schemed him, right? They sort of thought of him in this way that they're going to funnel so much of their offense through him. Um, but he way underperformed that. Now, is that quarterback? Is that is that him? is that, you know, that he couldn't live up to it. So it was a really interesting case study for me because typically that's something you sort of chase, which is those, those big air yards guys. Um, But he was, so he was an interesting, so he has a big reduction in it this year, but is massively more efficient, you know, so it's an interesting, and now he goes back to his offensive coordinator who posted the huge air yard numbers, right? So it's a really interesting sort of dance about, about it. And if, if that's going to be his role, I mean, Mr. Shot Taker himself, Ryan Fitzpatrick, as being the guy to throw it to him. I mean, that's a really interesting. It's a really interesting thing. So, I'll be uh, of the news that maybe I'll be tracking at the wide receiver position. I think how they're going to use him is going to be is a really really interesting one because is he going to be that big deep sort of the the deep vertical stretcher that they had with him when um, you know when the OC was in. Uh, in Carolina with him, or is it going to be more of a, you know, he's he's running more horizontally. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really really interesting debate and sort of where that if where his he's most efficient and if that was, you know, if he gets unlocked by a guy like Fitzpatrick or if they have sort of found a new role for him. I think that's a huge watch and something I'll really be paying attention to uh, in the preseason. Ali, what's your thoughts? Say yeah. For, so for me. I- I get excited when Curtis Samuel is used around, you know, the, out of the running back position. He's used in multiple ways. I think I get really excited by his his outcomes uh, rather than just that deep guy. So 
I hope they do use him in a number of ways because um, I think he was top yeah. 25 last year. So I think he can absolutely uh, do that again here now in Washington. Yeah, I really like Samuel. I was on a, I was on a show last month, the Fantasy Nightcap with Shane Barrett, and my bold take, which it probably won't happen, but my bold take was that in 2021, Curtis Samuel would outscore Terry McLaurin. So um, I, I think it, it's ambiguous. We don't know how he's going to be used. Uh, I mean, last year, the Panthers, they were a bit of a mess in terms of how they, how they used people, I thought. Um, I, I thought that the most efficient way to run that offense will be to have Robbie Anderson as the deep guy, DJ Moore in the slot, Samuel doing a bit of everything. And it, it ended up that DJ Moore was like a deep threat and Robbie Anderson was used in the slot. Mm-hmm. So it, that that was just really strange how, how Samuel was part of this this offense. And it, it does come back to, to Washington where he was used as, as a deep guy. I don't know what the best way is for, for him to, to, to smash it in fantasy, but... Uh, Big, big, uh, big Curtis Samuel fan. I'd probably put it at 60-40 that McLaurin outscores him, but maybe that's a little bit more bullish than the most. <laughs> no, I think that's and, fair. I think that's fair. And there's, and you know, the one thing that I've studied a lot with the analytics of Dynasty, and it has made me, it's really, really changed my philosophy and my belief in things. Which is, I don't think we have a good. It, I, it, we don't have necessarily the best uh, you know, ability to predict situation. And so to say, you know, it's much closer to 50-50 than you, like, I don't think that's unreasonable at all, right? I, I mean, I, I would think that based on their career arcs to date, I think McLaurin's the favorite. Um, but I wouldn't say, you know, if, if you know, we get we get on this next year, and you know we're we're rehashing the 2021 season, and McLaurin uh, was the second wide receiver behind Curtis Samuel. I I wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock. It would it would be I think a mild upset, but it wouldn't shock me at all. Indeed, indeed. So that that wraps up the wide receiver call, and we'll now move on to the the tight end in that team, Logan Thomas. And uh, you've got an interesting question on this one, Ali. Yeah, so unfortunately, we have got to talk about Logan Thomas. Um, <laughs> after his, his top three finish in 2020, uh, do you think he's a, he's a massive sell? Or actually, do you think his value's that low now where he's actually a hold or a possible buy? His, his ADP is the tight end nine, just for perspective. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's a, it's a pretty massive, uh, it's a massive sell. And here's the, here's the reason why I don't think that tight ends in that range are particularly all that different. And so when you see a, when you see a profile that's being valued, you know, where you can, you know, what's the difference between him and Evan Ingram, for example, like Evan Ingram, I think has more, um, long-term upside than a guy like Mike, uh, than Logan Thomas has, for example, uh, so that would be one that I would sort of point towards and say, hey, listen, uh, you know, I think that there's some, you know, arbitrage opportunities or you can sort of move to a different, you know, to a different um, uh, player. You know, one of my favorite stats for Logan Thomas is 40 tight ends had 20 or more targets and produced better yards per route run in 2020. <laughs> wow. Zero ran more routes. Wow. So he's basically the... And listen, I'm not going to knock him for this. It's out of necessity. He was a huge part of their offense. But he was no, you know, from a from an actual production standpoint, from a, uh, you know, from a, from a, um, you know, an efficiency standpoint, uh, he was no better than he's ever really been in his career. Um, and so one of the things that, you know, I partner with, uh, with, pro football focus and i sort of look at a lot of their stats you know his yards per route run uh was was not that different than anything he's really done in his career you know when you sort of look at all of his ancillary stuff um it's not really been anything different you know you look at his quarterback rating and stuff on his targets and it's it's basically right in line with what he did it was never really a um uh he's a lot better it's he had a lot more opportunity and that can be fantasy viable. Um, I tend to bet against those, uh, you know, to bet against those volume situations when there's not good talent. I think that that's an easy, or when there's not, 
you know, a high-end talent. Um, you know, those out of necessity situations typically aren't things that I think are all that repeatable. So, and we've seen it, right? They've, they're going to use Curtis Samuel more, right? They're going to funnel probably more, I would assume, towards uh, put more on Antonio Gibson's plate. You know, those sorts of things. Like they've done stuff to sort of address the skill positions to make it so that they're not so reliant on Logan Thomas. So that would sort of be my uh, be my thought on him. I think he's a, you know, I think we have him right around where you said, uh, in terms of, in terms of his value, um, uh, it would be just a clear sell opportunity for me. Yeah. 110 targets last season. I can't see that again. Um, just with the additions they've had. Um, I think where he's going in your steps, well, Titan nine, as I've said before, like after those top four, I'm not really bothered until you get into like the twenties. Um, he's in that range where there's there's lots of younger guys. There's lots of guys with more upside. Uh, there's, there's just better options, really. Um, what yeah. I would say is, with with Thomas, you've probably picked him up as a as a free agent last season or mm-hmm. the last off season. So I don't think you're going to be going out and acquiring him. Um, and I. I find it hard to actually sell him for anything a uh, decent value. So you're kind of stuck with him. And I, I know he, <laughs> I know his ADP is tight end nine. In the draft timing, he doesn't go tight end nine. He goes about tight end 15. Um, so, yeah. Just... Yeah, we've got him at 12 and a half is where we have him. Uh, and he's going in a range with guys like um, – and it's an interesting range because you could sort of – you could sort of view these guys a little bit differently. You know, you him versus Gesicki, right? You kind of know that Gesicki's been more of a guy uh, in terms of some production stuff than Logan Thomas has been in his career, and he's younger. Um, you know, Irv Smith's going ahead of him, which is interesting in terms of the type of bet you want to make. Evan Ingram's right there next to him. You know, Robert Tanyan's later. A guy that I really like is going a couple rounds later, Tyler Higby. That's one that, you know... He, at that cost, Logan Thomas is a clear pass and uh, Tyler Higby is a clear smash to me. Um, you know, Goddard's sort of in that, you know, it's sort of, uh, it's a little bit ahead of that, but it's sort of in that range. So when you look at that, you know, you said sort of top four, you know, I think there's a top four and then there's probably a tier of two guys after that that really interest me and Andrews and, and Hawkinson. And then after that, the difference between, you know, fans sort of smelling that a little bit too. But after that, I think the difference between, you know, basically, you know, tight end eight, nine, and then tight end 15, you could sort of make a lot of arguments in that range for guys that are, yeah, that, that, you know, if you shook them up and they, and they came out a different way, you can't, you can't really like fault all, you know, too, too much in that range, because I think there's a lot of different stuff going on. So yeah, it's a, he's an interesting guy, but for me, I think at his cost, there's profiles I like better and there's profiles I like better at cheaper costs too. Um, and Higby would be one of those. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Higby, the second guest today to mention him, so I'll just have to make a note of Tyler Higby, I think, and uh, imagine if you can flip Thomas for Higby Plus, that's a pretty decent deal. And that that um, that wraps up on Washington. We'll now move on to my Eagles, and you're going to kick us off with a question about a guy that I'm not his biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, question for you, Jordan. Uh, are you a Jalen Hurts believer? Um, do you think his current ADP of the QB fourteen is is about right, or are you are you avoiding him at this this cost? Um, to me, he's a pretty clear avoid. And so, one of the things that that's really interesting, and I've been studying a lot in in drafts, and and I you know each year with the analytics of Dynasty, I sort of I focus on some different some different topics. And one of the things this year that I'm really looking at is, is quarterback production, you know, as I'm sort of writing the 2022 edition right now. Um, and what I would say is I think we, we bet on knowing who the next guy is too aggressively. Um, and so when you look at guys, you know, and he doesn't necessarily qualify with this, but I think the same argument sort of applies, but I've just been looking at like top 12 quarterbacks historically in ADP and the guys that have done it multiple times, right? The multiple hits in that range, just so massively outproduce the guys that um, either haven't hit yet or have hit once, right? So Justin Herbert to me is is in red lights a little bit with where he's going, and there's guys going after him that I just think he can't 
like it's a super high risk thing to go with Justin Herbert. Um, and so Jalen Hurts sort of qualifies in that too. And you look at guys sort of at his cost, right? I mean, Matthew Stafford's going after him. Matthew Stafford has uh, top five odds to win the MVP this year. It just seems like dynasty community hasn't really uh, top five, top six last I checked. Um, the dynasty community hasn't really caught on to that, I guess, or has not um, valued that in or, you know, thinks that Hertz has more upside. I don't know. Um, But for me, that's just a clear, right. That Stafford just such the clear bet there. Um, Another interesting one sort of in that same ilk is Deshaun Watson. And, you know, sort of how, how do you value those two guys? And for me, it, it seems very much like, um, you know, what's the longest view in the room? And the longest view in the room is Deshaun Watson, like on a Hall of Fame track. And it kind of isn't comfortable right now for a lot of reasons. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, if he plays again, right, there's no, there's almost no debate uh, to me about who's the higher likelihood guy right it's it's pretty clearly deshaun watson um and so then you sort of put you know rogers is going right they're going basically about the same cost i mean you have questions with rogers too i guess um and then you sort of can look at it and say you know he's going ahead of tua yeah he's going ahead of guys that have higher pedigree yeah there's some interesting guys in that sort of range in the teens where you could say all right maybe he fits in you know is his upside higher than a guy maybe like baker mayfield um, and so that's, you know, so I get, but I guess that would put him, you know, further down, you know, maybe another couple of rounds later and sort of my level of comfort with him. So I'm probably just not going to get him. And it's one of those funny things when you do rankings, you know, I, I did, uh, I was doing rankings last year and like, Clyde Edwards Lair is a good example of this. You know, Cl- everyone had Clyde Edwards Lair at like, you know, in the top uh, five of the running back position. And I had him at like 12 and it d- didn't really matter, right? The difference between eight and 15, right? I, I wasn't going to get him at eight. So, and I definitely wasn't getting him at 15. So it was just, a, it was a clear thing. For me, that's kind of the thing with Hertz. Like, I'm just not going to have him above guys like Watson, Stafford. Um, and at that point, it doesn't really matter right, where I put him because I'm not going to get him um, just because he's going to go earlier than that. So for me, at his cost, he's a clear avoid. You just take, you know, I take a guy like over the next three to five years, who's going to have a better career. And it's to me, the pretty clear answer to that. Um, the mo- most likely answer to that is Matthew Stafford. Um, so I would be pretty, I would avoid Hertz and I'd be pretty aggressively on Stafford. And the other thing I would say too, about the Eagles is, you know, they've done some jacked up things maybe in terms of some of their, their processes um, and some of the decisions that they've made, but it's pretty clear to me that the way they're stockpiling picks is like, all right, if, you know, let's give this a shot. We'll sort of see how it plays out. You know, you look at the starter games that that first round, excuse me, that second round quarterbacks in the NFL get that don't hit for fantasy success, and it's 20, which would pretty much line up with exactly how many yeah. starts that, that Jalen Hurts would get through this year. That's kind of the same thing with Drew Locke, right? Um, so to me, I think that they're sort of taking the long game. And they probably... If, if they're being honest, are in on Deshaun Watson at some point, right? That, that's a team that you just look at the assets that they've put together. That's probably right. a team that's in on Deshaun Watson, right? That's probably some of the decisions that they made have said, you know, in the next 12 months, if we're going to address the quarterback position, we've got multiple outs, right? We've got, we've got franchise guys that are out there in terms of, you know, maybe it's Rogers, maybe it's Watson, um, maybe it's a, the first round quarterback, you know, an upcoming draft, all of those things. That's a lot of danger to me for Jalen hurts. Um, you know, he basically has to do it this year and, you know, given sort of their whole scenario, I'm not sure I want to make that bet. Yeah, Deshaun Watson to the Eagles. Make it happen, Howie. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just going back in time a little bit with Hurts, I know when the news that Wentz was being traded to the Colts came about, and, and Hurts's dynasty ADP was still in round three. And this is before the draft when the Eagles had pick six, so it was in prime spot to take a guy like mm-hmm. uh, Justin Fields. Or at that time, we thought potentially maybe Trey Lance might be going around that six to 10 range. Um, before the the 49ers interest, but I thought it was wild to be taking him in round three then. And I I still think it's pretty wild to be taking him in round three now. It's a a premium dynasty style pick. 
Um, so much danger involved. He's got this season, but you've got to look at that franchise. Uh, I'm an Eagles fan, mm-hmm. and it's it's not a good team. Um, Devontae Smith, he could he could be something massive for the Eagles, but again, he's got some questions regarding his late breakout and the offense as a whole. I think. In my opinion, for for Hurts to hit, they'd have to change the offense to kind of match what Baltimore have done with Lamar Jackson and really build and go all in on a run-heavy offense where he's used like Lamar Jackson. I think they're quite similar, and but they're not going to do that. Um, I don't think they're, they're bright enough uh, of a franchise at the moment to do that. It's clear that they've stockpiled picks for next year to to grab a QB or to move up to take QB or even this Deshaun Watson. Uh, take you've give us there that's got me very excited to lose a lot of games this season um <laughs> I, I, ideally as an eagles fan i'm hoping we go two and 12 and beat the cowboys twice uh so so yeah just just bring it back to hurts i'm i'm avoiding him I, I, to be honest he's probably one of the few players that i won't take at any price yeah it's interesting too because when you look at him you know people are like oh he was better than wentz like a little bit, but you know, one of the big stats that I look at is expected completion percentage. So completion percentage by itself isn't isn't a great indicator, but you look at, you know, what you did basically versus what you sh- were expected to do, um, and that's a stat that I really look at. Um, that's the next gen stat from NFL.com. Uh, the second, wor- so the worst was was Haskins um, at minus seven point one. Uh, the next worst was Wentz at minus four point one, and then you go down and it's Locke, it's Garoppolo, and then it's it's Hertz. And so he was bottom five in terms of that stat. He's below Sam Darnold, for example. You know, there's some other guys in there that you're like, Eesh. like that's not great. Again, small sample, all that stuff. Um, it just gives me some pause. Um, you know, and maybe a new system helps him, all that stuff. Um, but it gives me a little bit of pause in terms of how we performed with that with the opportunity that was afforded to him that gives me a little bit of caution indeed and we'll, we'll move on to a guy that's maybe got a bit of caution as well and in miles sanders uh, just want to want to know if you think the eagles offense will bounce back in 2021 and with sanders currently going at rb18 in startups um is he someone you'd be in on and how much does being part of a good offense and a winning team factor into the running back position yeah, you know, the running back position is one that I think to have super elite upside at running back, like it helps to have a really good offense. But after that, um, I don't I don't think necessarily how the team finishes in, in offensive ranking. That's something that's been, it's been pretty random in terms of how they've produced. And I think that there's some really good reasons for that. Um, if teams are going to run the ball a ton, that's an, a largely an inefficient way to construct an offense. So you're probably not going to finish that high. And so it actually has a perverse benefit <laughs> to the running backs to sort of be in a situation like that. Um, you know, for him, it's he's an interesting one because of the cost. Um, you know, I understand that that th- there's folks that really like the the talent. But for me, I look at a lot of like prior examples. So one of the things that I look at is, um, is, is what I call base rates, which is basically just know your position and your round in the NFL draft. And we can sort of tell you what those guys have done historically um, and, you know, in terms of their odds to hit and all that stuff. Um, and then the other thing I look at is, is you know, what I call density. And so that's once a guy's actually, um, you know, once a guy's actually hit, you can sort of look at it and say, all right, like, here's how dense their hit is, right? Here's how many times they hit. Here's what they kind of look like. And so for me, Miles Sanders is going, and it's actually dropped, which I think is probably right. He's going 412. I have him 412 since the draft, um, 18.5 as his draft position after the draft. And so, you know, when you sort of look at that, it it implies basically, you know, 67% hit rate, which is pretty good. Um, you know, you look at, um, you know, his, his actually, his prior examples, his prior guys have actually hit 71 and a half percent of the time. So that's, that's actually, he's maybe a little bit undervalued by his prior examples. Um, the question for me is really the upside. And this is the thing, you know, the, the, his prior examples of guys that through two years haven't hit for a top 12 seasonal finish, only about three, uh, between three and 4% of them have hit for a top uh, 12 seasonal finish. So for me, that's a very capped upside type scenario. When you sort of flip 
when you go down another couple players, you get David Montgomery, who has a top six finish on his resume. You know, his his prior guys have produced, um, you know, two top 12 seasonal finishes 70% of the time. Right. So again, the sample's not huge on that, but you sort of just look at the career arc, it's much different. Whereas, you know, it's a it seems more like a capped upside situation for Miles Sanders than I think people appreciate. Um, so if he's sort of in that RB two range, like I think he could do worse. Um, but I think you sort of look at that and you're like, uh, I don't understand why he's going ahead of uh, he hasn't outproduced David Montgomery. I don't know why he's going ahead of him. You know, and that's that's kind of the thing with me that that I look at and and for me it's a at his cost I think he's going too high. Indeed, indeed. So have you got any thoughts on this backfield, Elliot Sanders or any any other guys, any anyone that catches your your eye? <laughs> <laughs> don't do it, Kev. <laughs> I was all over Kenny Gainwell before the draft, so I'm just sad that he <laughs> he didn't get the draft capital that I wanted. Um, but now I, I think Sanders is a is a safe play as your RB two. Not not sensational, but I probably would rather some of the players that were going around his ADP over Sanders. Indeed, yeah, he's an interesting guy. Is is Gamewell? Is there um, anything you want to add on Gamewell or ask ask Jordan about him? Yeah, so so my my pre-draft crush Kenny Gamewell, he finally went in round round five. Um, is he going to be somebody that you're interested in taking in your rookie drafts, or or is his uh, is his draft capital so low that you're you're out on him? Um, his startup ADP is the RB fifty, um, and he's the RB six in in rookie drafts. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, he hasn't put away. Carry uh, on Johnson yet? You know, Carry Johnson's Ooh. had a pretty rough start to his career. I was a big Carry on Johnson fan coming out. Um, that, that hurt a lot. Um, <laughs> that was painful <laughs> and costly um, and expensive. Um, that, that was a, that was an unfortunate miss. But I do think this is a great scenario for him in terms of you have a starter there that uh, you know is good, but I don't think necessarily elite. He's not backing up Saquon Barkley. Um, and you know, you, I, I don't think that maybe he comes in and takes his job, but I think to put him away as being the running back too, I think that's a big ask. So for me, I, I carry ons is probably one of the bigger, um, you know, I, I look a lot at one injury away running backs as being a big part of my strategy. Um, and he's one that for me, I think at his cost and at his profile, uh, I think it's pretty interesting. And again, the, the, the injury concerns are there. I understand all that, um, but I'm not necessarily, it's not a long-term bet. You know, I'm sort of at this point, he's more of, um, you know, a short-term window, you know, you're looking for basically filling weeks. And if that turns into, you know, if one fill-in week turns into six weeks, something like that, that's a pretty good upside situation. So I think Gainwell has work to do to put away, um, to be the running back too, would sort of be my thought. And yeah, Carrion's actually the same age as Najee Harris, I think, isn't it? I think twenty-three years old. So he's still got he's still got two or three more years left of production. So it's definitely an interesting interesting take that you got there. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the that's the good part about uh coming into the NFL really young. Right? You get you you can have a second act that's not at 28 years old right he's got a second act at 23 and you can sort of you know like you said you know there's a lot of guys in this class that are in this uh running back landscape that are you know that have multiple years on their career that are younger than Najee Harris and so when you just when you think about that for a second it's a it's an interesting it's an you know it's an interesting strategic decision um I you know and I think that that's the benefit of coming out early Right, you get you tend to go earlier in the draft, and you get you get more opportunities if it doesn't go great. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm I'm really interested on carry on. Um, you know, I have him in a lot of leagues from when he was really expensive, and now he's not. So that was a loss. But I'm I'm hanging on because I think what success looks like is, is clearly different now than it was, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. But I still think at his cost, right, he can sort of he can have success that maybe looks two, three, four weeks, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, right? Those things are, are pretty successful uh, outcomes that given his cost right now. Yeah, Kenny Gainwell, I, I was big on him before the draft, obviously, the draft capital um, it catapulted him down down my, my draft board. Um, 
I mean, with his ADP going to 11 in rookie drafts, I'm not going to have any of him, to be honest. I think I'd rather wait a little bit and take a punt on a guy that's got a few in front of him, but in a, in a great spot like Elijah Mitchell. I'd rather wait around a round and a half and, and do that than, than sit on Super Kenny G, which is a, a shame because I know me and Ellie were massive on Gamewell before the draft. It's, uh, it's just a shame what, what's happened. And uh, we'll, we'll now move on to... The wide receiver core, it's, it's not the best wide receiver core in the NFL by no means. Um, just want to know your thoughts on Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager on their, um, on Rager's dynasty stock, really. He's, he's currently going at wide receiver 50. Um, what effect do you think Devontae Smith has on Rager's stock and how do you see them both in dynasty? Yeah, so Rager's a really interesting case because it's rare. I So in the analytics of dynasty, I've tracked what, what I call survivor rates. So survivor or survivorship, and that's basically how long you go before your team um, addresses the position again. So it is very rare for a team to draft a first-round wide receiver and then to draft a receiver over him the next year. I think the the stat that I had was from a couple years ago, so I'd have to update it. It hasn't much changed. There's been three guys a century that that's happened to. So that's a really interesting wow. – I think it was – Michael Jenkins, I believe, AJ Jenkins. I believe the two people that did the superseding were Roddy White and um, uh, Michael Crabtree. Um, so those are the two guys that were actually drafted over guys that um, went, um, you know, in the first round the year prior. Uh, so we have that situation here, which is, again, it's very rare for that to happen. Um, and so, uh, you know, I like the Rager profile a lot. Um, the young breakout, uh, that's a big thing in college. You know, you get the you get that with the NFL uh, with good NFL draft pedigree, and about sixty percent of those guys have hit. Um, that's pretty good, right? And then when you sort of compare that to Devonta Smith, you know, his later breakout, you know, about you sort of group those guys together, it's about thirty percent, you know. And so it's that's just a simple way to sort of look at it. Again, you have to adjust for the fact that Rager missed. Uh, in his first year, so that goes down. You know, it's obviously not the sixty percent anymore. Um, but that's an interesting debate for me. Right? I don't think there's necessarily a clear answer. If Rager's going to go a lot cheaper, then I'm, that's something that I would sort of probably pivot towards. Um, take the cheaper guy in a situation that I don't really know. Um, I think that's probably good decision making. I haven't really been in on. I don't. Um, <laughs> so one of one of my things is I don't really draft receivers and rookie drafts typically um i think they're they're largely overvalued and if you've if you just over the past 12 years uh have not drafted a wide receiver in the first round of a rookie draft just completely ignored the position um you've done significantly better than if you've drafted wide receivers right just because their hit rate's so much lower they drag the first round of the nfl draft uh, the first round of rookie draft adp much worse um and so i've you know at, at cost i've been pretty off of these guys you know i will take selective shots you know like i think last year uh brandon Ayuk was one of those guys that he was going so cheap and i really like the profile I could say, okay, like that's a really, you know, in the second round of a rookie draft, like I can really get on board with that. Um, you know, but for these guys this year, like I don't, you know, like Waddle Smith, I have Trey Sermon over all, uh, over every wide receiver, not named uh, Jamar Chase, just because I think that, you know, when we sort of studied that historically, that's the right play. And when you sort of look at the odds of their outcomes, right, the guy that's going to most likely tilt, uh, a season, it's much more likely that it's Trey Sermon historically than it is a guy like Devonta Smith. So all of those things, I mean, I'm pretty off of him. And I think, uh, you know, if, if given the shot, if I can take a, a shot on Jalen Rager rounds and rounds and rounds later, I think that that's probably the right play. Yeah, Rager in round 12, it seems a pretty interesting shot on a guy that's what was a potentially a first rounder in rookie drafts last season if he's snuck in at that. Back end, so um, yeah, we'll, he was we'll... my wide receiver one last year. So, oh wow, I'll have to go buy him then if it's getting the seal of approval from yourself, Jordan, as a smart <laughs> dude. Um, and we'll, we'll disappointing wrap... year one, but he was my wide receiver <laughs> one last year. But I've I've made I for reasons that have nothing to do with Jalen Rager, I've changed my philosophy on drafting wide receivers. So, um, <laughs> it's an it's an interesting thing. So yeah, good stuff. And we'll we'll get you to wrap up with a tight end question, Ali. 
Yeah, so with with no current movement in in the Zaka situation, how are you approaching the Eagles' tight ends in Dynasty? Um, so Goddard's going as the tight end eight, and Ertz mm-hmm. is the tight end eighteen. Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, I think Ertz is as good as gone June one. Um, so that would sort of be, hey, look, we got a couple of weeks. We're we're within a couple of weeks. That June one deadline seemed like forever away. You know, not that long ago. So, so we're getting there. It's turning the summer. It's nice. Um, the uh, I think he's good as gone. I think that writing's been on the wall for a while. They can cut him and and basically spread out his cat pit over a couple of years, um, which I think they're going to probably end up doing either that or trade him. Um, you know, I, I think he offers something in terms of, you know, there's teams out there, you know, Buffalo has been vocal, for example, about needing to improve the tight end position. They were on Gronkowski. Um, you know, there, I was hoping that they would land that someone like Evan Ingram and, uh, in a rehab type scenario, uh, you know, to rehabilitate his value. Um, but I think that they, they would be a potential suitor for a guy like Ertz. Um, you know, there's other teams out there that would be potential suitors for Ertz. Um, I, I think he's more of a name probably at this point than he's a true physical talent. Um, but he gets open. He can sort of do those things. I don't think he's going to be, you know, he's not George Kittle or he's not, you know, Travis Kelsey at this point. But I think in terms of, you know, getting 80, 90 targets in a season, um, at that cost, I think that's plenty doable. And one of the things I typically say about tight ends, and this is held up historically, is as if you've been productive and you have a job, you're typically going to be productive. And so we've seen that with guys. You know, we've seen that with Gronkowski last year, right? And we have seen that with uh, Jason Witten a couple of years ago, right? When he was in Dallas, you know, then he moved to the Raiders and didn't really have a job, you know, but we've seen that Jared Cook is a really good example of that. So Ertz to me is one of those scenarios where I can say, all right, if he lands someplace, I think he can be productive. Again, it might not necessarily be huge upside, but 80, 90 targets is what is plenty enough to sort of put him on the wide receiver one, two type spectrum. With Goddard, uh, I, he's probably the most established receiver on that team. And you know, I think that that's an interesting, you know, pa- excuse me, most established pass catcher on that team. So I think that's an interesting scenario for him. Uh, and I think, you know, when you sort of look at some of the other questions that they have, they have a running quarterback. So that's typically they don't do a ton of targeting the, um, you know, the the running back. Those that is a trend that we've seen. So that could be a benefit, a benefit to when they're sort of when you're allocating all the targets, you could just actually see that Goddard gets a bump from that. It wouldn't shock me if Goddard led them in in targets this year. And I think that that's a, an interesting, um, you know, it's interesting sort of at that cost, but he fits in that same range with guys like Logan Thomas and Ingram and, you know, Gesicki. It's sort of in that range of guys. You know, the question is, is from a, you know, from just a, uh, you know, a picking players perspective, do you want to sort of take the first shot in that range or do you want to wait? And that's sort of the question I think that you'd have in terms of putting the team together. I think he's a good, I think he's a good player. Um, I'm not necessarily sure I love the price given all the uncertainty there, but, um, you know, I think that he, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he posted, you know, three or four top eight finishes going forward. It wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah. I think what, what, what you'll end up seeing is it goes and then both their ADPs rise. So mm-hmm. I think they're both yeah. very interesting buys right now. So yeah, that brings us to the end of the Eagles and it brings us to the end of our time with you on today's uh, stream of Fon Jordan. So, like to tell the audience where they can find you and what you've got going on at the moment. Yeah, you can go to analytics at dynasty.com. Um, the analytics of dynasty 2021 edition, um, has been out for a bit now. You can get that. Um, uh, and if you, if you go and, uh, use wildcard as the coupon code, I'll put that up. Uh, once we get off, I will, uh, it'll, it'll be uh, 10% off. Um, and I'll, Fantastic. I'll match, um, an additional 10% to the, to the, um, you know, to the stream. So, um, you know, Thank I'll you. donate that as well. So, um, so yeah, you can go find all that analyticsdynasty.com, any of the books, um, you know, the 2020 and the 2021 editions, probably the best way to consume analytics of dynasty, those together. So yeah, go ahead over there and I'll, uh, I'll put the, the promo code in here when we get, uh, when we get hung up. That's fantastic. Thank you very much for coming on today. And I'll just shout out the the podcast you're on over at the Footballer Guys as well. That's a dynasty show you yeah. do with Chad Parsons. It's it's one I listen to every week. It's fantastic knowledge. It's it, as you'd expect. It's analytically based, 
Um, but yeah, just uh, keep doing the great work you do. And uh, thanks for jumping on the stream today, John. And all the best. Yeah, thanks, thanks guys. Best of luck. You're doing a really Thank good you. job with this. Thank you, John. Bye bye. See ya. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.